From Boise, Idaho and Idaho Education News, this is Extra Credit, your weekly podcast looking at education policy and education politics. I'm Kevin Richard. And I'm Clark Corbin. Well, the third largest district in Idaho is going online. And we may know by Monday what the second largest district in the state is doing, but it, it gives you a sense right now of where Idaho school reopening debate stands and how it's evolving as some of the big districts in the Treasure Valley, you know, at, at the epicenter of this coronavirus outbreak, as those districts are wrestling what, with what to do in just the span of a couple of weeks. Yeah, you're exactly right. As we record this podcast on Friday, July 31st, we're basically just two weeks away, just over two weeks away from the first day of school in, in districts across, in some districts across Idaho, including the Boise district, and we'll get to that. But but Kevin, what we're really seeing <clears throat> this week is the decision-making process trickle from the state level down to the local district levels. That's what the governor said he wanted. That's what the State Board of Education wa- said they wanted. And now we're seeing it in action. And you had a really interesting piece this week taking a look at reopening and the challenges and specifically taking a look at Boise's decision, which, like you said, we expect to hear more about coming up on Monday. But it's almost like Boise's struggle is the state's struggle at this point, isn't it? It it really is. And, you know, I wanted to take a closer look at Boise because, you know, as I alluded to in the open, Boise is right in the epicenter of this uh, coronavirus outbreak. I mean, if you look at the numbers and the statewide numbers have definitely spiked over the past few weeks, that spike is occurring largely in Ada and Canyon counties because you have you know big population centers. So that kind of stands to reason. But Boise, kind of like the state, kind of like uh, the governor's uh, task force looking at reopening, Boise's plans were really kind of overtaken by the spike in coronavirus cases. You know, as you know, in June yeah. when Boise trustees originally endorsed and approved the reopening plan, Ada County had a shade over a thousand coronavirus cases and the numbers hadn't really started to spike yet. Although there were signs that uh, the outbreak was getting worse in Ada County. Well, here we are today uh, as Boise trustees get ready to meet and revisit this issue on Monday. Ada County is more than 7,000 confirmed or probable cases. And it's going up a couple of hundred cases a day, give or take a few. Uh, it's only barely showing signs of slowing down off of that number. It, it's been a, a steady and alarming spike in cases in Ada County. And that's, that's the backdrop that, uh, you know, Boise trustees are going to have to, you know, deal with as they look at that, uh, that plan to reopen. Yeah, they're going to get recommendations from the administration. They're going to get uh, they're going to get recommendations from a district committee that's been looking at the reopening. When I talked to Kobe Dennis, the uh, the superintendent, uh, on Thursday, I asked him, "Well, what are you going to recommend?" And he said, "I don't know. Um, I'm going to keep looking at what we, what information we get from Central District Health. I'm going to uh, it may be you know right up to the moment, uh, right up to Monday night when he makes a recommendation." deciding exactly what that recommendation is going to be. But here's the thing, you know, Dennis also said on Wednesday during a meeting that the State Board of Education put together that he thinks that a face-to-face reopening is looking less likely. And, and, you know, that 
seems to track with what we're seeing with, with the case numbers. Um, it's hard to see how that's going to going to reconcile. And, and those numbers, uh, it's hard to see how they're going to change all that much in the next two weeks, just based on what we've seen over the past uh, five or six weeks. Yeah, they are looking at, I want to say it's uh, August 17th, I want to say, for the first right. day of August school in, in Boise, which is just two weeks from Monday. But there were a couple of things that I picked up on from your story and, and, and from our coverage this week. But yeah, I wonder if maybe uh, Kobe Dennis, the superintendent, was sort of uh, trying to temper expectations a little bit or prepare people for a possibility um, of things going a little bit differently on Monday night. But I did notice that the Boise School District administration sent an email to parents and staff members earlier this week. They actually sent two talking about clarification of reopening plans. But in one of the emails, they had said that Central District Health officials told them as of last week, the, the the district would have been in category three, and if that was the case still, their recommendation would be for no in-person instruction and for all virtual learning. Um, obviously, that uh, that's not the situation for August 17th. That was the situation for last week. Um, but it does show that, you know, maybe the mindset has changed a little bit since June because the virus uh, has, has spiked and increased. And I keep going back to what State Board of Education member Kurt Liebich said a couple of weeks ago, and he wasn't talking about Boise or any specific district, but he said, as much as we want to go back for in-person learning in the fall, the virus will dictate how we deliver education. And, and, and that's what I, you know, keep coming back to. Right. And, you know, we're already seeing examples of that uh, elsewhere in the Treasure Valley, you know, how the virus is dictating these decisions. Nampa Thursday night deciding to begin the year a week later, delay the opening and go online only uh, at the start of the year. CUNA going with a, a blended model uh, at the start of the year. Caldwell, we saw last week, uh, delaying the start of the open and going to uh, a blended model where there are going to be, you know, staggered schedules. There's going to be Wednesdays going to be a digital day for all students. So you're starting to see uh, districts uh, evolving and they're having to change their plans in response to, you know, a, a summer that's been really, really troubling in terms of the coronavirus case numbers. And, you know, all at the same time, one of the things that really jumped out at me as I looked at Boise this week was what parents have already been deciding, you know, independent of whatever trustees decide, parents in the Boise district have the option of putting their, their kids in an online school through the Boise school district. That option has been available uh, for the past few weeks. Uh, the deadline for signing up is uh, next Friday. Uh, parents can still sign their, their kids up through their neighborhood schools to go the online route. They have about... 3,200 to 3,300 kids already signed up for that online school. So no matter what happens, no matter what trustees decide, these 3,000 plus kids will be learning at home, at least for the fall semester. And that's you know parents saying, I don't feel comfortable here. I don't know if it's safe to send my kid back. I don't know if it's, I, I don't know if I know what to expect if my child goes back, does my child go back for a couple of weeks and then they send my child home for a couple of weeks or a month? Um, 
I think you've got parents maybe opting towards this online school in Boise out of an interest in keeping their kids safe, but also maybe having some predictability in their lives, saying, okay, we're we're going to lean into this. It's going to be online, and it's going to be uh, kids working from home for at least the fall semester. Let's you know, let's at least know where we stand. Well, yeah, if you want a consistent... That's a large school district. Yeah. That's a lot of kids. And if you want a consistent plan that you can bank on without interruptions, and okay, are we going to close? Are we going to open? Are we going to go back and forth? If you want consistency that you can plan for, uh, that may be the way to go. Uh, right. that online option, because then you don't have to worry, oh, is school going to be closed? Is it going to reopen? What's the transition going to be like? So if you're looking for consistency and to plan, and I think a lot of parents and families are right now, you know, that's an option. Right. And it'll be interesting to see what those numbers shake out to be a week from now when the deadline does come in, in the Boise district. And I, and I get this. I mean, you know, we all knew this uh you know, we all learned this over the past few weeks and few months that online education isn't for every kid. The online learning environment isn't doesn't fit with every family. It doesn't fit with the lifestyles in, in every household. You know, some parents can work from home. Some parents have the luxury of uh, being with their kids and, and supporting them in a, an online learning environment. Some parents really don't have that option. So, you know, this isn't for everybody, but for more than 10% of kids in the Boise School District, that's where it's going. So number really blew me away. Um, you know, they're, they're really, you know, district said it's not terribly surprising based on their survey results that they, they knew that about 10% of parents were uneasy about sending kids back to school. But when you see that number, again, 32, 3,300 kids, that's... Uh, that would be a large district if it was a standalone. It's not. And, and you know, on top of everything else uh, Boise schools are dealing with, they're dealing with how do we ramp up uh, a new school for 3,200 kids? How do we staff it? You know, how do we get this thing rolling? Ostensibly on August 17th, that's the scheduled opening date in Boise that, you know, trustees could opt to delay that as we've seen in, in Tampa and Caldwell. A lot of different alternatives uh, on the plate for Boise trustees. We'll have full coverage of that meeting on Monday night. But, you know, again, I wanted to look at Boise because I think a lot of the issues that Boise uh, is facing uh, are universal. They transcend this one district, this one large district. It's, you know, th this is the state's struggle right now with school reopening. Yeah, and I think it's really a good piece worth it looking at over at the homepage at www.idahoednews.org. Um, and I think it really, yeah, I think it's really fair to put that in that perspective. But the thing that just jumped out at me is how much the conversation has changed, maybe even over the last three to six weeks. Earlier in the summer, everyone was talking about we're doing everything we can uh, to go back for in-person learning and reopen our schools in the fall. Now that we're getting a lot closer to that, the conversation has really become a lot more nuanced uh, and a lot more complex than simply, hey, we're going back because school is starting. And so you see that changing. There was one thing I picked up on. It was an announcement from the Central District Health. Uh, and, and Idaho has, I think it's seven different health districts across the state divided by regions. Uh, this is Central District Health. And so it serves four counties Ada County, the state's largest state, uh, largest county, and I want to say it also serves Valley 
Elmore, and Boise counties. And so Central District Health made an announcement, I want to say it was Wednesday, that schools and families in all four of those counties, that's Ada County, Valley County, Boise County, Elmore County, should not expect their schools to be classified in the lowest level of coronavirus transmission risk at any point during the 2020-2021 school year. If that's the case, and this isn't school specific and it's not definitive at this point, but I think they were trying to get people prepared for that possibility. Um, But that would affect the state's two largest school districts, Boise and West Ada. That would also affect a number of medium and small sized school districts. Everything from uh, Mountain Home and the Basin School District up in the Idaho City area. I, I think we talked about McCall, Donnelly, and maybe Cascade. But that could affect a number of districts. And, you know, it's important. I want to point out that, you know, the plan is still for local school boards to make their own reopening plans. Uh, they're going to have guidance from the public health officials and the public health officials are going to help them understand what category of risk that that they fall in Uh, and that's only just going to be guidance um, but it really is setting up the potential for maybe a very long year in those four counties a very long year with a lot of blended learning remote learning or online learning and again blended learning if this is a new topic it simply means a mix of traditional classroom instruction, but maybe or likely uh, with limited capacity at the buildings or staggered schedules or smaller groups, and then coupled with remote or distance learning. That's where that term blended learning comes in, and it might be kind of new or different. Um, But I think that that's a a real eye-opener that they're saying at no point during the upcoming school year should you be expected to be classified in that lowest risk category? And so why am I talking about these risk categories? Why does that matter at all? Well, because the recommended guidance from the state, and it's only recommended guidance, but the recommended guidance from the state on that lowest risk category, that's the only one where they recommend full-blown traditional school openings um, with traditional schedules and classes. And that recommendation even comes with you know, recommendations for social distancing and sanitation and masks if mask orders are in place locally. So it could be, I mean, this is going to be going on for a a while and it could be a very long school year uh, ahead. I don't know exactly what's going to happen. It's not up to me. It is up to your local school board and your local school district or your local charter schools governing board. That's who you want to look to for the specifics. But depending on where you live, it could be a very long year ahead. Right. And I think it's also really important. And I think it really underscores the importance. If you're a parent or if you're an educator or, you know, if you're just a concerned citizen, it's going to be really important in the weeks and months to come to watch and see what kind of policies and what sort of uh, directives come from these health districts. Because while the state is giving the school districts and the charter schools the primacy in, in the decision about whether to open or to go virtual or to go hybrid. These health districts, uh, their, their guidance on the spread of coronavirus and the level of spread, that's going to dictate a lot of what happens in a school reopening 
And, and it goes deeper than that. I mean, and I went into this a little bit with uh, the story about Boise. Since Boise came out with its reopening plan, and this was June 18th, the health district has come out with a couple of orders that have a pretty clear and direct effect on public schools. The first came just days after the school district approved its reopening plan. The health district came out with guidelines that said, well, in Ada County, large gatherings, gatherings of 50 or more people, uh, you can't do that. We're going back to uh, you know tighter restrictions. Then, and this just happened this week, the health district clarified its uh, countywide mask mandate for all of Ada County and made clear that, well, yes, the mask mandate does apply to public schools, it applies to colleges and universities, it, it applies to career technical facilities. So what the health district is doing there is going to affect what happens in the schools. And, and as I looked at Boise, there are already restrictions in Boise's reopening plan uh, regarding gatherings. Um, you know, even if school is reopened, I, I wouldn't expect uh, field trips, I wouldn't expect uh, large assemblies, uh, there are already uh, restrictions in, in the school district's reopening plan. Right. As for masks, uh, when I uh, interviewed district officials on Thursday and talked to Kobe Dennis about it, he said he's fine with the health district's mandate on masks, and he wants to get this. He wants to get the politics of mask wearing off the table. He, yeah. You know, as he put it, it, you know, we've got to figure out a way to get kids and parents to realize the importance of wearing masks and, and see what's in it for them. Whether it's we get to keep school open and you get to you get to be in a school, you get to be with your friends, or you get to, you know, play football or play basketball because we can still have uh, you know we can still have varsity sports. Um, you can be involved in music or you can be involved in drama or you know any extracurriculars. As he put it, how do we get parents and kids to see that they've got a stake in you know, limiting the spread of coronavirus and keeping schools open and that masks uh, are one area where, where people can have some control and they can you know, make a difference? So, again, there's a long way uh, of, of getting to the heart of the matter, which is what the health districts come out with now and in the weeks and months to come is going to have a real bearing on what happens in your schools. Yeah. And also, I mean, just keep in mind, state law now will allow a public health district and other entities to step in and close a school. So even if the school board comes forward and has its reopening plan, if it's not working or if it's deemed unsafe, there is the power in Idaho law uh, for public health officials and for other people to come in and step in and close schools. Um, and so reopening is one thing, whether they will remain open that could be another thing. It's a complicated topic. It will only be more complicated. And, and really our job in, in these uh, days ahead is just to try to help you sort out what's happening in your community and big picture what's happening in the state. As we alluded to, uh, Nampa's uh, decision Thursday night, Sammy Edge had coverage from the, the Nampa uh, school board meeting, really some powerful testimony. Uh, one teacher saying that she's written her will because she's concerned about going into the classroom and, you know, she's figured out godparents. I mean, it's, it's that serious to, to her. It's a really powerful um, testimony from Napa school board's meeting on Thursday night. We will uh, 
had full coverage Monday night from uh, the Boise School Board meetings. So this is going to be a an ongoing story for us. And uh, you know, just keep coming to the homepage and, and, and we'll try to get you the latest on what's happening in your community and try to put it into some statewide context as well. Yeah, it's going to be a, a busy uh, next two weeks, certainly next month, certainly. And we know how frustrating this is, whether you're a school administrator, a teacher, a parent, or a student, we know that the uncertainty has been going on for a long time, and it's extremely frustrating. I keep hearing over and over again how you can be a parent or you can have a career, but it's hard to do both with this pandemic and all this uncertainty around school. And so I just want to say that I acknowledge that and I understand that, and I know how frustrating and trying and difficult and contradictory all this appears and seems. And we're trying to, you know, sort through, but, you know, just the first 20 minutes of this podcast, we really demonstrated how the narrative and the whole tone has changed from June into July to now on the eve of August and back to school. So much has changed just so recently. And and unfortunately, I think that change will continue to be the constant, uh, as uncomfortable as that is. Yeah. But the homepage is a good place to keep track of that. There's several other stories that I do want to touch on this week. Kevin, there was late breaking news this week uh, on the court case involving the Reclaim Idaho uh, petition drive, their their effort. Uh, we got news from the U.S. Supreme Court on Thursday involving Reclaim. Right. A, a really significant victory for state officials and a significant setback for Reclaim Idaho. If you're confused about the federal courts, don't worry. It's really complicated. But but here's what you really need to know from Thursday's ruling. Uh, the U.S. Supreme Court sided with the state and put Reclaim Idaho's online signature gathering process on hold. That's what the state went to the Supreme Court seeking. They, they wanted to stay because this case is still working its way through the federal courts. Uh, the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals will... Uh, your oral arguments on August 13th, and their ruling could come at some point, really any any time after that. The circuit court is looking at the constitutional issues. Did the state of Idaho infringe upon Reclaim Idaho's First Amendment rights when it did not work with Reclaim Idaho on trying to come up with a way to continuing to continue signature gathering? in an online setting as opposed to face-to-face signature gathering during a pandemic. So that's still going on. We're still having to watch what's happening at the circuit court level, but what the Supreme Court did was, again, it it stopped this online signature gathering drive that had just begun about uh, two weeks ago, Uh, Reclaim Idaho needing about 30,000 signatures to get on the ballot. Uh, The lower federal courts had given them a 48-day window to compile those signatures, translating to August 26th's deadline to get the signatures in place. Reclaim Idaho said they'd already gathered thousands of signatures. So the Supreme Court ruling really does slow down and bring to a halt the signature gathering process. So that, uh, you know, we're still trying to sort out the details of what happens from here, uh, what the implications are from here. But on the surface, it would seem like a really significant setback um, for Reclaim Idaho's efforts to try to get this uh, 
initiative on the November ballot. Yeah, that's exactly right. And we've talked about Reclaim Idaho on the podcast before and a bunch on the homepage. But if you're finding new podcasts to listen to during the quarantine and joining us for the first time today, Reclaim Idaho is a group that is trying to get a ballot of initiative on November's ballots here in Idaho. And what they're basically seeking to do in a nutshell is to raise, to increase taxes, to increase funding available for education spending. They would create a new account basically for education spending. And it's the same group that was behind the successful Medicaid expansion ballot initiative from just a couple of years previous. Um, Just that background there on what it is. Right. I mean, a really significant in if this were to get on the ballot, really see an issue for voters to describe because we're talking about upwards of $200 million a year in increased income taxes, increased corporate taxes that would go into K-12. I mean, I've said it before and I'll say it again, you know, were this to get on the ballot, this would be probably one of the most important issues before voters in 2020 or, you know, certainly in 2020, I think the most important education topic or education centered election. But now uh, it's it's very uncertain as to whether this is going to uh, or, you know, get a spot on the November 2020 ballot or if this uh, debate in this process continues into the next election cycle. We're trying to sort it out and we will get um, we, we will get as many answers as we can cobble together here. Yep, absolutely. Keep watching uh, the homepage. We're going to continue to follow um the case, we're going to dig a little bit more deeper, actually, into yesterday's news and what the Supreme Court did and try to find out a little bit more uh, about where things stand going forward. So uh, stand by for that. Obviously, there's a lot uh, going on in our coverage mix, but that will be a part of it uh, going forward. Another thing, just really quickly, that could be a part of our coverage mix going forward is there's kind of a growing push within the legislative branch to call for a special session of the Idaho legislature. Now, notably, only the governor uh, can call for a special session. That power is is rooted in the Idaho Constitution. But on Thursday of this week, two different legislative working groups, a Judiciary and Rules House Senate Working Group and an Education House Senate Working Group, both of those groups recommended a special session of the legislature Uh, to basically address education issues. The Jude and Rules group in particular wants to address the issue of civil liability during times of an emergency. That itself is one of the main issues that was not addressed in the state's non-binding reopening guidance. And we know from school administrators that liability concerns are a potential barrier to reopening school in a couple of weeks because their insurance carriers have told them that if somebody contracts COVID-19 on a school and then sues, insurance probably isn't going to cover those costs. So that's a major obstacle um, for our schools. But that might only be one topic uh, that the legislature wants to adro- uh, to discuss during a special session. Right. And, but you know, let's stick with the civil liability yeah. issue, first of all, because I was really surprised at how this is on such a fast track. Uh, I was I was covering the uh, Judiciary and Rules Working Group meeting from Tuesday morning, and you know you're watching this over Zoom, you're you're taking notes, you're listening to uh, public testimony, and in public testimony is re- really testimony from from lobbyists for right. education organizations, for local government, uh, IACI, the uh, 
you know, the state's largest and most prominent business lobby. I mean, it was a, a procession of lobbyists talking about the civil liability issue. And that's how the hearing went for about two hours or so. And I'm taking notes, I'm thinking about, okay, how am I gonna, you know, summarize and, and crystallize the, the testimony. And then the, the topic, the conversation really shifted to how quickly can we get a bill put together? Uh, Greg Cheney, the House uh, Judiciary Rules Committee chair, uh, and Todd Lakey, uh, the Senate Judiciary chair, talking about, well, can we get language put together here between now and Thursday morning? And they did. Together? And they did. And, and uh, they approved it. Wow. And it's only it's only a draft bill. It, it's not even a bill because we're not in session. Uh, but that you're absolutely right. That happened so quickly. And those two... Um, members of the Judiciary and Rules Working Group, really the two leaders, um, Representative Cheney and Senator Lakey, were really, you know, pushing this forward. And Senator Lakey said, our issue right now, uh, our, our struggle is a time crisis because schools are looking to open. And, and I thought this was interesting. He said they needed to make decisions yesterday about reopening. And so the sooner we can get our recommendation and the sooner we can get our draft bill prepared, the sooner we can have that special session. That's no guarantee that there'll be a special session, but there's a two-page bill that's written um, that after you know a fair amount of legal wrangling and arguing, the committee signed off on, uh, on, on Thursday, and that's a committee full of attorneys, and there was a lot of discussion about contract law, and so it was a little bit hard to follow, but um, the nuts and bolts and the main takeaway are that com- working group called for a special session and has a potential bill ready to go. And then hours later, the topic came up again. But all the legis not all the legislators, a significant number of legislators, unsurprisingly, want a special session. And and so uh, the the ball is really in, in Governor Little's court at this point. And, and we talked about it a little bit before uh, we turned on the mic. And, you know, maybe, you know, we, we should talk about it here a little bit more. Yeah. Really a big difference in approach between that judiciary and rules working group and the education working group. I mean, what we've heard uh, through the, you know, what we've heard from legislators is that Governor Little is willing to entertain the idea of a special session, but he wants to see what exactly a bill is going to look like. And he wants to see that there's a bill that uh, has uh, support and, and is likely to pass before he brings legislators together via Zoom or face-to-face for a special session. It seems like Juden Rules really took that to heart and said, okay, you want to see a bill? Here's an idea. Um, Because, you know, again, Juden Rules, you know, you know, Greg Cheney described it as a Hail Mary pass. Can we get something into law before the first day of school in a couple of weeks? You know, that's, you know, you got to move quickly to do that. But Juden Rules really took the idea of if the governor wants specifics, we're going to give the governor specifics. It felt like, uh, you know, as we were talking about it before, that education working group, well, maybe not quite as focused. No, and, and that's, you know, and that's very much in keeping with uh, the House Education Committee, uh, which is half of, well, more than half of this working group. But they, they're taking the kitchen sink approach. Uh, as is, uh, you know, tradition with House Ed, but they said we should have a special session and we should have it to address education issues, including student transportation, including funding flexibility, including 
they talked about liability issues, but I think generally remained silent on that because the other working group had, had taken that up. They said that they want to have a funding formula discussion about using attendance versus enrollment to pay for education. And that's really... Well, that's an hour's work. We're not working on that for five years and have not got a bill out of committee, to my knowledge. And so we're not going to tackle that during a special session. Uh, maybe they will. But then, like, does the special session go on longer than a regular session at that rate? And so I think the governor is interested in limiting uh, the topics of a special session. And, in fact, the Constitution says... The governor sets the parameters for the special session, and the legislature has no power to legislate on any other topics except those under which the session is called. And so I think that I, I think the last thing anybody wants is a free for all. Just call 105 lawmakers back to the state house and say, "Here you go, boys and girls, have at it." I, I don't think anybody wants that. Uh, but yeah, Juden rules, the difference is Juden rules put a concrete proposal on the table and House Ed uh, has a Christmas Christmas wish list of like four or five different things without specifics. And there's no consensus there. There's no consensus uh, on a funding formula and hasn't been in five years. And the reason I feel comfortable saying that is because if there had been consensus, a bill would have got out of committee. Right. So, so house education, once again, kind of a state house wild card. That's, uh, that's not breaking news, people. I mean, that's not attention Idaho reporters stuff. No. I mean, we've seen that plenty of times in the past. So we but, will, yeah, will so, a story too to follow to see if there's a special session, if it's uh, limited to the civil liability issue or if any of these education issues, uh, you know, get, get a place on the agenda. So that's another thing we'll be watching on a daily basis, which kind of you know, kind of dovetails into what to look for next week, because yeah. I can already see that we've got a, look, a lot to look for look to next week. Yeah, uh, let's just start with Monday at the beginning of the week, Kevin, because that's going to be a, a big day for you and I and a lot of interest. Uh, but we're going to be covering the Boise School Board meeting Monday evening. I want to say that begins at 5.30. Expect maybe it'll go for at least an hour and a half or more with public testimony, but that's when they're going to decide if all students will start the year virtually or only those enrolled in the Boise online school, right? We talked about that earlier. Yeah. And, and again, you know, just to, to tie it up, there are a lot of options on the table for, for the school board. We've already seen other school districts delay the start of the school year. That's always a possibility. Um, there's a possibility of going online for, you know, for the foreseeable future, starting the year online for, you know, maybe to some date certain or maybe until further notice. Right. It's really hard to tell what the trustees are going to do, but uh, we will be there to to see what they do. And that kind of that ties into some other stuff that we've got going on this week. I wanted to put in a plug um, myself and Sammy Edge. Uh, we're we're all kind of working with. Uh, Idaho News 6 on some some back to school virtual town hall meetings uh, to look at the reopening, to, to look at the, the start of the school year. Tuesday night will be focused on K-12 issues. Uh, Thursday night will be focused on higher education issues. And on Wednesday, uh, as I mentioned, Sammy Edge and uh, you know, her partner on this project, Nicole Foy from the Idaho Statesman, uh, is going, uh, they're going to continue. It's kind of a, an ex 
extension of their Latino listening project, looking at uh, reopening issues uh, from a Latino student perspective. So a lot going on there. We will have uh, lots of town halls uh, hosted on the Idaho uh, News 6 site, but we will uh, share them out on our Facebook page. Really interesting panelists uh, on, on our on our town halls Tuesday and Thursday. Looking forward to hearing from, from teachers, from folks in the healthcare community. Uh, Marlene Trump will be on the Thursday night uh, higher education panel along with Bert Glandon, the president of College of Western Idaho. So a chance to hear from some experts, hear from some folks on the ground trying to figure out what fall classes are gonna look like. Yeah, and just real quick, if the public wants to follow those on Tuesday and Thursday night, uh, you mentioned we'll share those on social media, and uh, you can check out the KIVI News 6 website. But just real quickly, a little bit more, how can folks follow those on Tuesday and Thursday? Uh, best place to go is uh, either the Idaho News 6 Facebook page, and like I say, we will get it shared out on our Facebook page as well. These are kind of an extension of the Facebook Live forums that I've been doing with, uh, with News 6 over the past few months. But these ones uh, will be more panel discussions where we've got uh, some experts uh, coming in to uh, answer your questions and, and share their perspectives. So I'm, I'm looking forward to hearing hearing from them. And I'm looking forward to seeing what kind of questions we get from uh, from the audience. All right. Well, um, that was a week and I was only here for the last couple of days. Uh, so it's been a week. Yeah, it has. Uh, always appreciate uh, everybody uh, who joins us uh, on the podcast and who follows the homepage. We always have a lot of fun breaking down this ever so complicated intersection of education, politics, and education policy. We'll be back next week with another brand new edition of Extra Credit to go through everything we learn next week. We should have more about Boise's decision on the first day of school. We may or may not know more about the prospects for a special session. Um, we'll continue to follow all of this and more. But thanks so much, as always, for joining us. Uh, we really do appreciate it. I'm Clark. I'm Kevin. Stay safe and have a good week.